Welcome to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. With over 150 years of experience and deep industry knowledge, Weber Wenzel is the leading full-service law firm on the African continent. Good day and welcome to our listeners. My name is Sean van der Muelen, a partner in the competition law team at Weber Wenzel, and I will be hosting the second of a two-part discussion on recent important competition law and trade developments in Nigeria and the effects of these developments for firms doing business in Africa. The FCCPC has now been in operation for almost three years and has steadfastly begun to regulate competition law in Nigeria. The FCCPC is actively reviewing mergers and pursuing several restrictive business practice investigations. We want to better understand the impact of these recent developments and how firms can ensure competition law compliance in Nigeria. To help refine and focus our discussion, I'm honored to be joined by Florence Abebe and Ayodeje Oyotonde. Florence is the Assistant Chief Legal Officer at the Nigerian Federal Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. Ayodeje is a partner in the competition practice at the law firm Aluko and Oyobodi in Nigeria. A warm welcome and thank you for joining me today. We really appreciate you both taking the time to speak to us. My first question is for Florence. What are some of the FCCPC's priority focus areas currently? For example, merger control, cartel conduct, etc. Thank you very much, Sean, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here again. Um, I'm not sure uh, the best way to respond to this question from an operational level, because as you know, uh, prior to the enactment of the uh, Federal Competition and Consumer Protection Act, um, we were operating under the Consumer Protection Council Act. And the Federal Competition and Consumer Protection Act was passed in 2019 without a transition provision. And so a lot has had to come to the fore as priority. So at an operational level, a lot of things are going on peri pursue. For example, uh, the commission found it uh, necessary and important to immediately um, leverage on the strength and experiences of other regional and international competition bodies like the ACF, the ICN, and so on. And we immediately um, became members, uh, sought the membership and obtained it. And uh, the commission also, in an attempt to ensure that the market operates optimally uh, in an undestructive manner, immediately began the process of enacting its major review framework, which came out uh, in December 2020. Currently, the commission is engaging industry, sector regulators, international partners, financial and legal advisors, and so on, on the Commission's competition enforcement framework with respect to market definitions, abuse of dominance and restrictive agreements. So there are lots of advisories, a lot of business guidance going on, um, a lot of advocacy and enforcement, and all of them are going on at the same time. So to answer your question, Sean, it's, it's important to briefly state that by way of institutional history, as I had mentioned earlier, Uh, In the area of consumer protection, as well as uh, the current dual mandate, um, which now includes promoting competition, we have had to prioritize competition regulation and enforcement. Ayodeji, since the enactment of the FCCPA, how much has changed in the Nigerian legal framework for the review of merger transactions? 
Could you give us an oversight of the recent changes to Nigeria's merger review framework and describe what the current ecosystem is like? Thanks, Sean. Um, prior to the enactment of the FCCPC Act, um, the SEC uh, was the was the was the only body was a key body that was in that space, uh, and uh, what we had was a, a provision in the in the enabling act for the Nigerian SEC that just said that oh, in considering mergers and acquisition transactions, they should just uh, sort of consider whether it would have any competition impact. Obviously. Uh, that wasn't sufficient for a market as large as as ours. Uh, since the enactment of the FCCCP Act uh, sometime in January 2019, what has then happened was that, uh, just as Florence mentioned a few moments ago, there were, there were no transitional provisions. So the SEC and the FCCPC had, had to, first of all, work together to ensure that um, there was a transitional desk. Ultimately, uh, transactions that were al- already being considered by the SEC could at least sort of go through uh, and the market could sort of get more comfortable with the provisions of the of the competition le- legislation and parties could comply uh, as, as quickly as possible. Um, that that effort was extremely successful. A joint desk was uh, created both at the SEC and the FCCPC, and some draft regulations were ultimately issued for that transitional period. Coming out of that transitional period, what ultimately then happened was that the uh, Competition Commission started to pass additional regulations uh, by way of guidance to the market. So some of those regulations were things or uh, uh, um, guidance on foreign-to-foreign mergers. Uh, if you were doing a cross-border deal, what exactly did you need to do? There was also a, a trade threshold established for merger notification because what had happened was that uh, the Nigerian competition legislation spoke about small and large mergers, but it didn't specifically stipulate what the threshold would be. Since the act was, uh, was enacted, the Commission has passed a threshold on major notifications, which is 500 million uh, for the target entity and 1 billion if you're looking at the interest of the acquirer in Nigeria and, and the target entity. That was passed and that has been extremely useful and it has provided a lot of guidance and a lot of comfort to the, to the Nigerian market. In addition to that, uh, additional regulations have been passed, so major review regulations, major review guidelines. And one key thing that the Commission has sought to do is that in each instance where it, it has had to pass uh, regulations or, or guidelines, what it will typically do is that it will, it will release a, a draft uh, regulations to the market and then take feedback from market practitioners uh, in order to ensure that as much as possible the regulations being passed were fit for purpose and the market was already comfortable with them or the market was already anticipating and expecting those regulations. In addition to that, the Commission also passed regulations on the applicable fees that will be paid with respect to major transactions. There were one or two provisions there that the market perhaps felt were not as clear as they should have been. And I know Florence already spoke to that. So the commission very recently has amended major review regulations just to clarify that point and to ensure that there's clarity around the amount of filing fees that are payable to the commission, whether those filing fees are being calculated against consideration and particularly more so when those filing fees are being calculated against the revenue of the applicable entity. In addition to that, uh, the Commission has passed rules on things like an indicative timeline in order to ensure that as much as possible, there's clarity for the market. Now, moving away from regulations that have been passed, 
In addition to that, since the act has been passed, the commission has been extremely market facing. So as much as possible, they've tried to ensure that uh, where parties need to make uh, pre-major notifications or pre-major consultations, the doors of the commission have always been open to ensure that parties get as much clarity as, as possible. The commission has also established a negative clearance pro- procedure and uh, which we've made use of a, a number of times. This arises particularly in cross-border transactions where some things are not clear or it's not even clear whether or not you are required to make a filing or you're not required to make an actual filing with the commission. And on that basis, uh, we think that given the amount of time that has been passed since the act was enacted, which is just about two and a half years, we think the commission has done a very good job. And obviously, as more time passes, the ecosystem will continue to evolve. But the feedback we've received to a large extent from uh, from clients, both local and uh, international clients, is that they're comfortable with uh, with where we are right now. And ultimately, we'll continue to work to ensure that parties are more comfortable. Thank you. Florence, what do you think the impact of the agreement establishing the African continental free trade area will be on competition law in Africa? Are competition authorities already engaging with the AFCFTA stakeholders to align national and regional priorities? Uh, Thank you, Sean. Nigeria ratified the African Continental Free Trade Agreement in December last year. And to the best of my knowledge, about 36 African Union member states have done so. The benefits are huge. For starters, we will be creating the largest uh, trade block in the world with over a billion consumers. So the expected benefits for competition in Africa are enormous with the now free movement of people, goods and services, as well as employment, um, vast industrialization, technological and innovative transfers, etc. We are currently in phase two of the negotiations and that's where the um, competition protocols will be discussed. The Nigerian Office of uh, Trade Negotiation is representing the country at those discussions. Now, um, with all the benefits that are expected, there are also challenges and and we must be prepared to address those challenges. So, So for example, not all member states currently have competition law policies or regulations. Not all of them have the institutions and countries are different level of advancement in terms of legislation and institutional competence or capacity. And so we need to create that environment where businesses know that they can conduct themselves in a competitive manner so that would avoid the situation of um, getting cross-border issues where the anti-competitive practice is now moving around the continent. And so without those institutional structures in place, we face the chance of dealing with businesses who prioritize profit. This may lead to the emergence of cross-border cartels, uh, abuse of dominance, vertical restraints, collusions, and in turn, those benefits would not be what we expect them to be. And these types of anti-competitive practice would reduce the consumer choice, it would increase price, uh, deny the consumers and, and other businesses the expected benefits of the trade liberalization promised by the Continental Free Trade Agreement. As you know, Nigeria's first robust competition framework only just commenced in 2019 with the enactment of the FCCPA. 
um, Nigeria has become a member of the African Competition Forum. Um, it's currently negotiating several bilateral agreements um, at various stages, uh, South Africa and Egypt are the four, specifically in areas of information sharing, obviously subject to confidentiality, um, market studies, joint investigations and enforcement, capacity building, etc. So um, the African Free Trade Continental Agreement Competition Protocol is aimed at creating a competitive environment uh, conducive for existing competitors and the new entrants. And so it's expected that um, they would address the challenges I have just mentioned uh, with respect to potential cross-border anti-competitive issues. And to do this, I expect that they would have to leverage on the strength of the regional and bilateral relationships and, and structures on ground. Thank you, Florence. Ayodeji, from a business perspective, what are some of the key competition compliance considerations that clients doing business in Nigeria should incorporate into their compliance policies and training? Thanks, Sean, for the question. Uh, well, the, the first key thing that uh, companies doing business in Nigeria need to be conscious of is that uh, there have been significant changes to the competition and antitrust regime over the last couple of years. And, uh, and to the extent that things have changed, uh, it's no longer business as usual. Uh, now, that, that sort of falls into, into a different bucket. So there are people that are engaging in uh, potential transactions uh, that might require a, a major filing. That's in one bucket. And, and there are people that are just in terms of their day-to-day -day, uh, business or agreements that they enter into. They need to ultimately ensure that they do not fall foul of the provisions of, of the FCCPC Act or even underlying regulations and guidelines that have been issued for, uh, by the Commission since it sort of came into being. Now, I'll start from the latter. One thing that we've seen uh, is that in terms of provisions, when parties are entering into transactions, sometimes it's very easy to sort of fall foul of provisions. So sometimes just as a, as a way of drafting, it's very easy for parties to put in provisions in an agreement whereby one and an external party has the right to materially influence the affairs or to indirectly control the affairs of an entity that is subject to the purview of, of the commission. Obviously, those are things that require filing, but I think that sometimes uh, it's difficult for parties to just sort of avert their minds to it. Uh, and sometimes parties just sort of think that if I'm not acquiring a significant shareholding, I'm not, I'm not acquiring significant assets in an entity. And what I just have is something whereby the commission doesn't need to be notified or I don't need to make a filing with the commission. Obviously, that's something that falls foul of the provisions of the act. And that's something that parties need to be made aware of in terms of of, uh, whether or not uh, you've entered into a territory whereby you've moved from sole control to some form of joint control. In addition to that, there are things like gun jumping also that parties ultimately need to be made aware and companies doing business in Nigeria need to be made aware that as much as possible, even if you're doing a transaction in this market, you need to ensure that you're not flouting the gun jumping provisions before getting regulatory approval in terms of the steps that uh, you've taken or the steps that you've agreed that uh, you'd be able to take with respect to your actual counterparty. In addition to that, there, uh, there are all sorts of anti-competitive practices that parties need to be made aware of. So things like ability of parties to enter into restrictive agreements, which uh, have the ability to restrict or to distort the market. Agreements whereby uh, suppliers are prohibited from, uh, from so goods and services to 
potential competitors or other competitors in the market or that indicate that it can be at a price that is lower than the price that has been supplied to you. In addition to that, parties operating in the Nigerian market need to be made aware that as much as possible, one needs to ensure that business practices are not exclusionary in nature. So if in the past, before the act was passed, there were provisions whereby uh, parties could take steps together with uh, other participants in the market to fix uh, the selling or the purchase price of of certain goods and services or to limit or to control uh, production or the distribution of those goods and services or even to restrict investment. Those are provisions that uh, that parties, that companies operating in Nigeria need to red flag to, and they need to ensure that as much as possible, their compliance department is made aware, and not only the compliance department, but, but also the commercial team is made aware of those sort of practices. In addition to that, uh, the commission frowns on um, the, the enabling legislation for, for the commission prohibits the abuse of a dominant uh, position in the Nigerian market, either by charging excessive prices uh, to the detriment of, of customers or by refusing to give competitors access to a particular facility. Once again, those are practices that uh, legal and compliance teams in Nigerian entities need to be made aware of and and also the commercial team also needs to be made aware of that uh, when a decision is being made uh, to fix a certain price, whether at a high price or at a low price, whereby there's a possibility that you're trying to squeeze out competitors, one needs to uh, avert one's mind to the provisions of both the Act and of regulations made by the the commission in order to ensure that that one is not falling foul of, of those provisions. Thanks, Oyodeji. That's very insightful. That brings our discussion to an end. I would like to thank Florence and Ayodeji for sharing their insights and our listeners for joining us today. I'm your host, Sean van der Meulen, and thank you for listening to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. You have been listening to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. For more expert legal insights and updates, visit WeberWenzel.com.